live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. I still don't exactly have words for what happened in the Fiesta Bowl. About as good of a first half as you can imagine. And then, well, hmm, that second half happened. Even days removed, it still leaves head scratching of what happened on New Year's Day in Arizona and where we are headed in the Marcus Freeman era. Welcome to the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. This is our season recap show. Joined by Kevin Downey and Ilya Glasman, as always. The Marcus Freeman era begins in defeat. Notre Dame losing to Oklahoma State 37-35 New Year's Day in the Fiesta Bowl. The Irish led 28-7 with a minute left in the second quarter only to blow the lead and give up 30 straight points in defeat. Gentlemen, let's start with just our initial impressions uh, of what happened. We have a lot to talk about throughout the show, but Kevin, just what was it like just to to witness it from your perspective? Well, it was definitely a tale of two halves the first half. I mean, they were just all over them, <laughs> and everything was clicking, everything worked well, and then, you know, the second half, things just fell apart. It wasn't like there was any drastic um, – decision or, or missed decision, you know, coaching wise, it, it just kind of dissipated. Now I do think Notre Dame's inability to run the ball at all, maybe that could have helped protect the lead a little bit, uh, but where they have only 21 attempts and 42 yards, zero rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's hard to, you know, protect that lead if you don't have that threat, but again, they didn't have their best running back in Williams. So that's a whole nother, uh, dynamic. I was kind of surprised they didn't try to run Tyree a little uh, bit more. They didn't, they didn't try to run, period. Yeah. Um, and Tyler Buckner not playing. Um, you know, th- we'll, we'll talk about that more in depth. Mm. Okay, Ilya, how about how about you? Uh, <laughs> we always talk about you being the voice of the fan, and I can only imagine what was going through your mind as you were watching this. I tried my hardest to stay off Twitter after that for the longest time, but it was really hard. I, I don't, I don't know what to say honestly the i remember i saw a graphic uh during the third quarter where it said uh Notre Dame is like 74 79 and 0 when they lead by 21 or yeah, more I since 2007 and then the largest comeback for Oklahoma State was like 20 points against Less Colorado yeah and then of course Marcus Freeman's Marcus Freeman's first head coaching game he does that (laughs) and I don't know I can't pinpoint to one particular thing or what happened in the second half to say oh this is why Notre Dame lost I just well I can I could say it it was a veteran coaching staff taking advantage of a young inexperienced coaching staff because Notre Dame put Uh, that's what I think it was I mean you got Reese and Freeman who are young Mike Gundy's been around folks yeah well for sure you know, I, I think that's that's part of it. All right, we'll dive into it. Let's tell everyone what we're going to do in this show. Um, we will give out our final grades position by position. That should be interesting, considering the fact that, obviously, the last game is going to be heavy on our minds as we do that. We'll do that next segment. And then at the end of the show, we'll look to next year, who's staying and going on the coaching staff as well as players and you know, for those of you listening, some things may sound crazy here in the first segment. Maybe we sound out of our minds. It's because we're recording on Tuesday instead of Saturday, uh, taped ahead of time. So some things may develop here that we're mentioning throughout the show that doesn't sound like, uh, 
makes sense because you're like, wait a minute, that thing changed a little bit. Uh, that's because we're recording ahead of time. So just want to throw that FYI out there. We'll look at next year's schedule opening up at Ohio State. And is Tyler Buckner, Buckner ready to lead the way uh, for the Irish next season? But, of course, we'll spend the bulk of this segment dissecting the lost Oklahoma State and looking at the start of the Marcus Freeman era. Let, let me ask you guys this. If Brian Kelly is coaching Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, does Notre Dame win? I think it'll be the same result. If he doesn't really? have Williams and Hamilton. and I, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> think they would. But because of one reason, because when it was 28-21, right after Oklahoma State scored that touchdown to open up the third quarter, he would have put Buckner in because he knew that defense was gassed at that point in time. Hmm. He probably would have put in Buckner at some point in time during that second half where I don't think Freeman was comfortable enough to pull that trigger because... Well, what, yeah, but that's Reese. Reese could have been Reese could have said. Let's well, put we Buckner, talked right? about it on Saturday. Who yeah. was the one that was pulling that trigger? trigger. Up, pulling yeah. Buckner, Buckner in, in the game. game. It was a Reese. We or was said it the Kelly? floor was ten snaps for the entire game. He didn't come in for a single snap. Yeah. And, and look, I but over five hundred yards passing, right? Well, and, <laughs> so that part was working. Well, here's the thing: Marcus Freeman said after the game, Buckner was able to go into the game. Mm-hmm. The reason he didn't. It was the flow of the game. Obviously, mm-hmm. they weren't going to mess with things in the first half. He basically no. said, "Yeah, going and then really when, well." And then when you got into the second half, it was kind of just like you thought you're finally going to get something going, and then and then it didn't. I I think and it started to slow down. Look, and they had a little chance at the end too, but you want your passer in. Look, some people are saying they should have stuck him in in the first half at some point just to change it up. But like to Kevin's point. Jack Cohn in the first half looked like the second coming of <laughs> Brady Quinn of any whatever Joe Montana uh, you know whoever you want to throw in there as I mean he couldn't be stopped so yeah. if you put Buckner in and you don't score then everyone would be chirp and you end up losing the game everybody would be, yeah. be like oh they overthought it blah 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 now I was tweeting in real time in the second half after like. You went two or three drives where you did nothing offensively and you're giving up points left and right defensively. I'm like, okay, is it time to put Buckner in? Is it time to put – and then there, was, then there was a certain point where you had no choice but to not put him in. Once you lost the lead, mm-hmm. I don't think you could put him you in. Can't, no. Because then it was like we are benching Jack Cohn. And I don't think this was a game where you were necessarily benching Jack Cohn. I just wanted Buckner to go in for four plays and run the ball and hopefully right. get a first down, yeah. give the defense a break, give a little spark, and open things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah that well, was I my mean, the point spark, exactly. I think the spark is not Heaven Williams because he was their spark player the whole time. Yeah. So that was you're not going to get it from him. But, but you're got, right, maybe Buckner has a little something to him. But you got stuff from – I mean, Tyree looked awesome in that first half. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now yeah. that was in the pass game. They had nothing in the run game. They abandoned that run game so quickly. Yeah. It, I it mean, felt like it was well, and the wide receivers stepped up a lot. Uh, my mayor had a good game, but he didn't even like stand well, he was out. Double teams a incredible. lot. Yeah, Styles had his best game of the. Yep, of Styles season. looked good. Eight catches for. Uh, I'm not sure how many yards, but he had a his first career touchdown. 136 catch. yards yeah, and a touchdown. Led all but, receivers. But, but I wish he would have died for that ball in the second half. Yeah. That would have been oh. that would have been nice if he would have laid out a little bit. And Cone finishes with 509 yards and five touchdowns and only one interception, but 38 of 68, 68 pass attempts. Man, that's never a good number. That's well, they, way too yeah, high. They, really just didn't try to run. And and yeah, well, running ball, the uh, 21 attempts 
for 42 yards. And really, it's not even 21 attempts because Cone – well, actually, Cone did run the ball one time, but he was sacked, I think, yeah, two or three. Yeah, that was in the mm-hmm. second half. Yeah, that was so, in the second half. but you imagine if Buckner was running that play? He probably would have been able to look, get they past that linebacker. Look, they would have loaded the box on Buckner, yeah. no question. But then you see if Buckner can throw the ball. I mean, he's got to learn to throw the ball eventually. If he's if he's going to be the quarterback next year, oh, yeah. and we're going to hear from Jack Cohn talking about Tyler Buckner um, at the end of the show and what he thinks we can see from him. But, you know, I, I was just amazed at both sides of the ball completely collapsing in the second half. I think – I think if you looked at things in the first half, you got to halftime, you thought Mike Elston was going to get the defensive coordinator job, and you thought everyone would be having their feet up, smoking cigars, and being like, dude, bring on Ohio State. We're ready for 2022. And now everybody, after watching uh, Ohio State, uh, Come do it back the way they did. Yeah, and you know and the way blow the way they did, and yeah. the way Notre Dame secondary. Ugh, finally, you know, you keep on mentioning Kyron. But boy, you talk about a game where you could have used Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Um, this was this was that game because, and man, it you know here's something I kind of remember when Notre Dame got blown out by Alabama in 2012. Mm-hmm. Brian Kelly post game came out and said, "Look, we just don't have enough guys. We just don't have the depth. We got to build the depth." And they never really got there until it fell after the 2016 season yeah. happened. Then yeah. they started developing the depth. Why has the defensive line been such a strength? They have depth. Yeah. What? Where? What? Linebackers do, depth. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, linebackers. They For have this last game. <laughs> they, they have depth, but Just the guys got injured. Injuries. So yeah, injuries. So they didn't really have it in this game. They got exploited. Bertrand couldn't, uh, you tackle. know, tackle me, and and it, it was unfortunate. And then the secondary fell apart. And, you know, Cam Hart was dinged up a little bit, but he wasn't the problem. Clarence no, Lewis, Clarence oh, my. But also you have to make the adjustment because clearly they were obviously only targeting Tay Martin that entire second half. Yeah, you but ha- who are you going to put in the game? I mean, like. No, I wasn't saying you got to put someone else in. I just saying you have to double him with him. a safety or something like that. Get some help over the top to help out Clarence Lewis because obviously Spencer Sanders was looking to nobody else except for him. Well, and he did. The quarterback did such a good job running, too. He, yeah. he made it a, a big problem. That's one of the things that affected their pass. They had 125 the, yards rushing in the game. Yeah, I mean, that was their spark, I thought, besides <laughs> throwing it to the to Tay the Martin. one wide receiver. but Well, I even yeah. mentioned it on Saturday. Tay Martin coming into Saturday's game had 70 catches, and the next leading receiver for Oklahoma State had 40 catches and half the yards that he like or that so Tay Martin had. So that's what I was yeah, saying. But yeah, but you know what? Brendan Praisley finished with 10 catches for 137 yards. So he had a lot, which stuns me. Yeah. But he, he didn't have any of the touchdowns. He, he was Martin definitely had, not the star of the show. No, Martin had the three touchdowns, but they had two guys that combined for 20 catches. And most of that obviously happened in the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick, let you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than 80 years. That's 80 years of personal service to the ND family, putting people over profits. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman, looking back at the Fiesta Bowl, looking ahead to 2022, our season recap show, season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Okay, as we mentioned, this was Marcus Freeman's first game as the head coach of Notre Dame and one thing I was very interested in was how is he going to handle post game 
because uh, yeah, that's tough. That's that was embarrassing first game. That's right. Loss, yeah. So let's listen in to what Marcus Freeman had to say post game. For me, obviously, as the leader um, of this program, it's it's again, it's a pit in your stomach. As I told the group a minute ago, that you want to bottle it up and you want to remember how this feels. And the honeymoon stage is over, right? It, the whole hey, new head coach. It's a great story. No. It's about having a great product and it's about having a great team. And so we have to make sure that it's about developing this team for next year, right? This year's over. So everything we do from now moving forward is going to be development and making sure that we're prepared to have success. You mentioned the the honeymoon period being over. I'm curious, how much do you feel this loss maybe does hurt the excitement for, for the start of your era here at Notre Dame with the fan base and in terms of just the excitement around the program that you have had? for the first month since you've been on board as head coach? <laughs> it might disappoint some people, um, but I understand where we're going in the future. And I understand, you know what, we have a lot of games ahead of us and we're going to use this game as motivation. We're going to use this game to look back and say, you remember that first one? Look where we've come from there. And so sometimes you got to look at it as a blessing, man that, hey, we use this. Maybe it wasn't this honeymoon phase that kept going boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, everything's good, and bam, reality hits. You know what? We got to work a little bit harder. We got to make sure that we evaluate everything we do a little bit more so that the next time we step on that field, we're prepared a little bit more to have success. And just a quick follow-up to that, how would you assess, uh, obviously, your first time being in charge of, of all of those different type of logistical things? How would you um, look back, and then I know you'll you'll probably watch the film and whatnot and get a better um, idea of how you fared in that, but how would you assess how you did? Well, not as well as you wanted. You obviously wanted a, a victory, but I think we all can learn from it, myself included, look at every situation, say, hey, is there something you could do differently? Is there a timeout you could have called? Is there, hey, something defensively you could have done, maybe a suggestion offensively we could have done? Um, it's a learning a situation. It's a learning opportunity. Um, you know, you like to learn from wins, but this is going to be a learning opportunity from a loss. And uh, as long as everybody learns from this, we'll be fine. That's first year, first game. Notre first Dame football game, yeah. coach uh, Marcus Freeman. I thought he handled himself extremely well. Look, winning the pet press conference after a loss is not exactly the top of the list of important things to do. Uh, you want to win the game. That's the most important thing to do. Yep. But that, that was an important thing to keep things centered and not let the, let, not let things fall apart all of a sudden, because it was a great last month. And I think he kind of righted the ship a little bit, you know, as yeah. you look back at it, you're like, man, that stinks that they lost. But it's not the feeling's not as bad now as it was right after the game for Irish fans. I feel like, and I think one of the reasons is he handled himself well. He set the right tone. He said the right things. He said the honeymoon's over. He acknowledged it, which was hilarious because it's like he was listening to our show last week. Because I said to I said to Ilya during the show, I said, you know, if they lose this game. And then they go and lose to Ohio State. I think the honeymoon's going to be over right away because, and that's a really tough way to start, you know, those two games. But I thought he, I thought Kevin, he handled himself extremely well. Well, I think, I think he's authentic, you know. Yeah. I think that uh, he, he seems to really think about not just what he says, but what he does. I mean, I think that there's a, there's a level of genuineness to him. Um, And they did some pretty cool stuff with all the hype videos and kind of letting you into his world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's the, the right hire. I know 
you know, they had a huge loss as far as a, you know, a second half giving up all those points and then losing the game by two points. But I do. I think he's the, the right man for the job. I think, you know, it seems like, especially in coaching, you always go kind of opposite, um, the higher opposite of what you had. So Brian Kelly had lots of experience, kind of stoic, uh, after his reboot <laughs> yeah, right, right. and he had a great um you know he had a great what four or five year run was pretty phenomenal so it made sense their plan everything made sense they just lost the second half of the game and I think moving forward with his focus on recruiting um it again it just for me having been a recruiter before I worked at the college level there's a whole difference between when a Marcus Freeman sitting in front of you that kind of put together sharp, articulate, enthusiastic guy that played in the NFL, played at Ohio State, as opposed to a couple older dudes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a whole different recruiting thing. So I think the hope is still there. I think it's good. Again, just to kind of come back around, he handled himself great in the press conference. But to be fair, he seemed to have handled himself really well every way leading up to it. Um, and, yeah, I think the the fans, obviously the players, everybody wanted a different result. But – he did own up to it right away. And he said the right things. He spun it in a way that's like, hey, you can learn from this loss. we got to learn from the loss. And I, I think I think if I look at it, I go, man, in some ways you feel bad for him, right? Because he was put in a really tough situation. Because he had to go recruit. He had to go do all this stuff. hold everything together. He, he had to hold everything together. He couldn't call the defensive plays. People said he should have. But the bottom line was he didn't really study the film to be able to feel like he could do it so he had to pass that off to somebody else um so he was put in a really impossible situation but even with that decision I mean Elson who would you trust more right (laughs) right. who has been there longer with more experience but I guess I guess my point though is in the end you still rather him go through the game and lose than not go through the game at all game at all because he at least saw everything Mm -hmm. in and it really couldn't go that much worse in the second half. I mean, in general, it couldn't go that much worse, right? You have the ultimate high of the first half. Right. And then that ultimate low. Ultimate <laughs> low. So he at Rock least has he's, he's seen that and the weight that that puts on your shoulder as the guy. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that can help him, like he said, if you do it the right way. Now, we have to see because, look, the odds are they're losing to Ohio State in the first game. And – and then it's how do you react from there? Because they go eight and four next year. People are gonna go be going ballistic. What happened? <laughs> well, wrong hire. Blah 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 blah. I don't yeah. think they're gonna do that. But I'm just saying as an example, Ilya, just your gauge as as you kind of reacting to the way he handled things post game and everything we just discussed. Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but the biggest takeaway for me is how he talked about when he said, oh, like, everything's going good, 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 and then, bam, just gets smacked right in the face. Like, he wants himself to remind – or he wants to remind himself and he wants to remind the players every day leading up to when they play Ohio State, oh, do you remember this feeling? Do you remember this feeling right after you lost to Oklahoma State, right after you blew it? I want you to remember that so that never happens again. I think that was a really interesting point that he brought up. Is like, I never want to feel this way again. I never want the players to feel this way again. And I'm going to make sure I do everything in my power during this offseason to make sure we do not go through that again. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. you you want that, that good feeling, that honeymoon to continue. And maybe sometimes it, it can work the other way to like, okay, 
we got to get things right and get, and get things situated so that we're, we're not feeling in this awful way uh, again come come the fall. But it's a well, good. Well, that was so drastic too. Maybe that's going to help shape his philosophy and actions moving forward. You know, I know being a really young head coach, there were some times when on the sidelines it was just kind of uneasy. Like if you weren't in charge of calling plays or. Well, he did seem you a just removed. Un- yeah, it he seemed like seem he was un- a little removed. Yeah. Uh, not not really himself, like with all the enthusiasm. But after you know loss, like eventually you know that hey, you have to stand up. You're totally <laughs> gonna have to answer for everything. And it's easy to when everything's good. But that's it. Like you said, it's a slap in the face that'll wake him up. But I I do think he's the right man for the job. And I think he he has so much potential that they couldn't pass him up. And let the whole thing kind of collapse just because Brian Kelly left. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you on that. All right, uh, coming up, we will talk about Tyler Buckner taking the reins with Jack Cohn departing uh, next season. And uh, Jack Cohn will comment on what he sees from Tyler Buckner as well. We'll break down who's staying, who is going, coaching-wise, player-wise. We'll look at next year's schedule, give our early records prediction, and maybe talk a little bit about the college football playoff. But coming up next, we're going to go through position by position, give our final grades of the season. That should be interesting. It's the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Back after this on Redeemer Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money. And when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman back with you here on our season finale of Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Looking back at the 2021 season and looking ahead to 2022. Okay, it is time now for our final grades position by position. We have done this after three games, six games, nine games, and now we'll do it after 13 games. And uh, offensive line is... The most interesting one because all our grades seem to improve as the year went on, and I'll be very interested to see where they stand now after we saw the second half. So uh, let's let's start there, Kevin. Uh, you said what C plus after nine games is where you felt things were at. Where do you see them after the season's over? I I think it's still C plus, uh, but I will say I was impressed with the two freshman tackles. They didn't do everything right, but there's. Um Man, there's a lot to, to build on. And all those injuries I went through early in the year and playing lots of people, I think it's going to be a strength moving forward. And they did improve over the year, even the bowl season. Yeah, Ilya, you had them at a B minus. So you had skyrocketed them up from a D plus to a B minus. I, I have a feeling you're backing off on that a little bit. I am. I am a little bit. Back, I went with the same grade as Kevin did, C plus. Basically the same reasons as Kevin pointed out. There's a lot to build on. And especially if you could get Jarrett Patterson back, which we will talk about uh, later in the show. But if there is great potential, and I think there's a lot to look forward to with this offensive line within the next year or two. So Yeah, I, I downgraded them a little from a C to a C-. minus. Um, just basically, here, here here's my viewpoint on this. The offensive line in Notre Dame gets graded on a curve. 
You know, yeah. it's supposed to be the best position be on 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 the offense, if not the whole team. And they just weren't quite there. And I think they again were the reason in the second half things started falling apart. Why were they better in the second half of the season? It's because they weren't playing really good defenses. And once they faced a you know, once they faced a team that was really good, they started getting exploited. Now, they obviously did a good game, but Notre Dame couldn't run the ball at all, and that starts with the offensive line being the reason. I know Kyron Williams would have helped, but certainly that that's the difference. And, you know, again, as we talk about Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton not playing in this game, we're not saying whether or not they should or shouldn't have. We're just saying they didn't, and if they did, it would have made a difference. Just like Brian Kelly – I think would have helped them win. Same thing. Kyron Williams plays, they probably win. Kyle Hamilton plays, they probably win. So let's transition now to the running backs. <laughs> this will be interesting. Everyone gave them some form of an A. I have a feeling that may not be the case anymore. What do you got, Kevin? Well, I think it's, yeah, in fairness, it's with or without Williams. If, if you have him, then it's an A. If not, then C minus, like below <laughs> average. Not, not, not that they're not talented, because I think the young guys did a pretty good job, but they could not run the ball in that game to really save their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now they weren't horrible at blocking and they weren't horrible at receiving, which is good. That's what I mean, they were really the good table. at receiving. Right. Because Tyree was great in that regard, but they yeah. got to run the ball. They yeah. got to run the ball. So, all right. He, he gave a fake grade there. Cause he gave us two. What do you, what, <laughs> what's yours? I actually went with an A. I stuck with an A because wow. even without Williams, I thought the running backs Yes, I know that they didn't run the ball well, but they also didn't wow. really attempt to run the ball a yeah. lot, which is but that's what yeah not, not on them. It's it yeah, it's on, on the, the offensive line. I can't talk out of two sides of my yeah. mouth playing the offensive line. But Tyree played well, especially in that first yeah. half. Logan Diggs outside of that yeah. fumble looked very well as well. Uh, so I <laughs> outside of that fumble, that fumble was pretty big deal. It was a it was a big deal. Yes, and he did own up to it afterwards. But again, I just. This has been the deepest running back room that Notre Dame has had in a long time. So, like Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, you saw a glimpse of what to come next year. So, I'm very excited. All right. Hey. I downgraded them a little bit to a B. Plus. Uh, just if you look, if you're a position that helped, well, I don't know if there's a position that helped them not lose in this game. Every position failed in yeah. that second half. But. The run game was a major factor. All right, quarterbacks. This should be interesting. Kevin had C plus, Ilya B. I had B minus last check. Kevin, what say you at the end of the season? I'd say Cone ended up with a B plus. I think that he improved, and I mean, he had a great, great bowl game, right? <laughs> Over 500 yards passing. Well, until the second half. But I think they only gave up like one sack. Like that, the things that he struggled with, it seemed like they, they fixed. And so a credit to Tommy Reese over the course of the year. Uh, I think we should have mentioned this for the running backs, but remember, this is after 13 games. It's not after the Fiesta Bowl. It's not about the Fiesta Bowl, so that's why I gave the quarterbacks a B because I think Buckner played well in the second half. He obviously improved throughout the entire second half, and so did Jack Cohn. So, B. B? I'm going with B. Yeah, I'll upgrade him a little bit. I had it at B-, minus, so I upgraded him a little bit. All right. Huh. Why I, I feel like I'm feeling the same way for everything. I, I'm interested. Uh, why receivers? Kevin had B, Ilya B+. Plus. I had B- minus after nine games. After 13 games, including the Fiesta Bowl, Kevin, what do you got? Why receivers? Um, I thought two different players stepped up for him. So I think uh, B, B+. Plus. I mean, they, they were good. They, they, it wasn't just the, the tight end show. 
So I think that they did a good job of emerging. Hedger. Um, I'm going <laughs> B+, because Lorenzo Styles, just a true freshman. Um, Great game. He, he had his best game, obviously, eight catches, first career touchdown. Um, but given the lack of wide receiver depth, I think Kevin Austin, he'll be greatly missed next year. Brain Lindsay coming back. Um, but uh, B plus, I'm going B plus. They had a great year. I I had B minus all season long. I'm sticking at B minus. And what you said at the end was the key. They had a lot of good players. They didn't have enough of them. Mm. And the one they were gassed in the second half because they're throwing for 68 attempts, and they didn't have enough guys to rotate. Can you imagine just That's doing true. sprints the whole game? That's what those guys were doing, and they were gassed. And if you had a couple more guys, if you recruited better at receiver – I, I, I think, and that's part of the mix. It's the whole room. It's not mm-hmm. just the top two or three. So I can't give them better than a than a B minus, in, in my opinion. All right, uh, tight ends, Kevin. You had an A minus. Ilya had a B minus. I had a B plus. What do you got at the end of the year? I'd say A, but again, they need to they need to use that depth for besides just Mayer. They there should be other people that could play too. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? Ilya? I went with B because, uh, and I haven't really said this all year, but. A lot of the tight Kevin Bauman is a receiving tight end, but he's been hurt a lot yeah. this year. But Takis and some of the other ones, they're blocking, blocking tight, tight ends. ends. Mm-hmm. So they did pretty well for blocking tight ends. Bayer's like obviously the main receiving guy. So I just went with B. You know, just I yeah. had I had B plus, I'll stick at B plus, and that's the bottom line. Defensive line. Kevin had A minus. Ilya had A plus. I had an A minus. Kevin, what say you at the end? Uh A minus. Makes they had good depth. They still made some plays, not enough at the end, second half to win. But but they're the one group I feel like that I'm not pinning it on. Like every group in that game, I would be like, yeah, you didn't play well, you didn't play well, you didn't play well in the second half. Defensive line, I'm not sure I could blame in any way compared to the other side of the other sides. Ilya, what's your final thing after having A plus all season long? A plus. That's oh, it. Wow. Wow. All right. I had A minus. I'll stick to to A minus as well. All right, linebackers. After nine games, Kevin had A minus. Ilya had A minus. I had a B. Kevin, what say you at the end? I go B plus. I think that you noted earlier, but Bertrand had some missed tackles and Kaiser had some missed tackles. There were people that had missed tackles that I guess we had got used to them making plays. Remember, this is after 13 games. It's not just the Fiesta Bowls, but I do have to take the Fiesta Bowl into account that second half. Uh, JD really struggled, and the lack of depth really showed. So that's why I downgraded them to a B plus. I don't know if he's saying that to the audience or to us, Kevin. I haven't decided. <laughs> yes, almost like a chastisement. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I've got. Uh, I had a B last time out. <sighs> I guess I'll stick with a B. I can't upgrade them from that. I mean, I can't say they've played better in the final four games than they did through the first nine. So I'll stick there. Secondary. Kevin had a C plus. Ilya B plus. Angelo B, finally we see no Kyle Hamilton burns the Irish. Kevin, what's your final grade? A C plus. Okay. Ilya? Uh, I really tried hard to not just pin the secondary grade on just the Fiesta Bowl. That's why I just downgraded them to a B instead of uh, – I, I had it at a B plus. I just downgraded them to a B because of that Fiesta Bowl loss. But I think they still made a lot of key plays, a lot of really good plays throughout the final four games of the year I finished them at B minus and look here's the bottom line uh, that Fiesta Bowl was tragic in terms of the way they played in the second Their half worst game of but the, year the worst far. game of the year by far and it's worrisome heading into next year 
But the fact that this team had a B-minus grade in the secondary where Kyle Hamilton did not play the entire second half of the season is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because ugh, I would have thought they would be far worse than that, so I give them a B minus. But I think that's pretty good. Uh, special teams: Kevin had C, Ilya had A, I had a B plus. Kevin, what do you got? I'd say C average again, just overall big picture. I'm not sure what Kevin is looking for. <laughs> well, did you did you did you see the punting in this game? Because yes, Brant, I did. It wasn't very good. I went from an A to an A minus simply because of that missed field goal. In the first half, and that could have mattered. That uh, could have mattered. Yeah. I had a B plus. I'll I'll stick there. That's fine. All right, uh, coaching. I don't even know. I, you know what? We're skipping coaching because it's impossible. It's impossible to grade. Are you coaching? You grading Brian because Kelly, the, Freeman? Yeah. You grading the Fiesta Bowl? We're skipping coaching. Whatever. Well, let's just go overall. Our overall grade for the season. Um, what you had uh, uh, for the team? It's a B plus. I think they're good. They're Pretty good. <laughs> They're just not that next level yet. Yeah. I, I'd also say B+. Plus. A lot of people thought that they would struggle to win 10 games this year, and they they overachieved based on their roster and their depth, and I think that speaks volumes. Um, so B+. Plus. I, w- I would go B plus a- as well. I've always said my standard is A minus is either make the playoff or win a major bowl game. Mm. A-, a is uh, win – the uh, playoff game and A plus is you know that thing that national championship thing so that's gonna be that that that's where people are hoping Notre Dame is sometime here in the Marcus Freeman era. Okay, uh, time for a timeout. When we return, we're gonna look at next season, who's staying, who's going for the Irish, the schedule ahead, and is Tyler Buckner ready to go to be the man to lead the Irish in 2022? That's all when we return on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! And a big thank you to Tyrac for their support of our internship program that we run with high school students from St. Joseph and Marion here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience helping out with our broadcast of high school sports. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac's. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman back with you here on the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We've done a lot talking about the 2021 season. We're going to look ahead now to 2022. Tyler Buckner will take the reins, we anticipate, as the starting quarterback next season, unless Notre Dame lands like oh, uh, unexpectedly a big transfer quarterback of some of some kind with the transfer portal. There's been a lot of big names, so you never know. That's always possible. But under the assumption he is the guy next year, Kevin, how do you feel about him taking the reins? Is he ready in particular? Let's say this. How do you feel about Tyler Buckner being the starting quarterback against Ohio State on the road in Columbus in week one to try to lead the Irish to victory? Uh, I have a huge question mark just with if regards to him being the role he had this year. He was a running specialist. He did some really uh, good things. And, again, he had to try to stay healthy. But more than anything, I guess, question mark, like, can he 
pass enough to actually help us win games because it's still more a pass-oriented game in fairness now. Yeah, I, I, I think those are all valid, and I think you much you, you kind of wish Ohio State was like the third or fourth game, so you got to kind of got yeah, a couple, couple games, warm-ups. come up warm-ups before he got in there. Ilya, what's your gauge of where you feel things are at based on the way this year played out for Buckner in 2022? I actually feel great about Buckner um, starting next year. I think Jack Cohn being the starter kind of, handcuffed the play calling a little bit I think this offense next year can be so much more dynamic next year uh, because of what Buckner could do with his legs and the depth that Notre Dame has at running back I just think that this the playmaking or the play calling will be much more dynamic in terms of RPOs and zone reads and triple options I, I really so I think Buckner will be just fine. The the biggest thing for me is they got to keep him healthy. He wasn't he didn't stay healthy this year and he didn't play that much. Um, he, he wasn't really banged up, but he had a hamstring here and there. And, and if they have that next year, that that can make the difference. If if he's not a hundred percent, that that's a problem. And I think that's that's my biggest worry, Kevin. Yeah, is, especially is, with a running quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and a young running quarterback. Look, they've had they went from book multiple years to cone going coast to coast you know wire to wire as the starting quarterback Mm -hmm. that you know there's been plenty of years where Notre Dame has not had that opportunity and most of the time that does not work out in Notre Dame's favor so when you have this type of running quarterback that'll be interesting let's listen in on what Jack Cohn had to say about his thoughts on Tyler Buckner heading into 2022 it's been amazing watching him grow I mean he's just a super smart guy Um, you know he picked up the offense you know extremely well and is continuing to learn it more in depth, you know, each and every day. And, you know, I got to watch that throughout every practice. And, you know, he's an amazing athlete. He's an amazing thrower. And he's going to be electric to watch next year. And I'm super excited. All right. He said he's an amazing, amazing thrower. thrower. <laughs> you know, and Kevin Austin had said this also. So I don't know if these guys are just saying it because they're trying to prop him up a little bit. Or if we if that's been shown in practice. Right. And he just hasn't gotten the opportunity in a game to, to show it. Um, he is known to have had a really good arm in high school, so it would be great to see that. That would be big for Notre Dame if he could actually – That would be awesome, yeah. I mean, if he could throw the ball, I mean, he could be everything everyone's hoped for. Yep. Then Notre Dame has a chance. Well, like you know. I said last Saturday, Tyler Buckner coming to Notre Dame was an Elite 11 quarterback, which is one of the highest honors you can get as a high school quarterback so obviously he has a ton of talent just the question is can he be comfortable can he make the correct reads uh when uh talk about the passing game so Uh, let's talk about who's staying who's going as a matter of full disclosure we are actually recording this show on tuesday so things can change by time uh those of you who are listening on the radio uh on saturday uh in terms of what's going on in that let's start with the players uh josh lug has announced he's coming back i think that's really big for the offensive line to have lug back he'll be a six-year player uh as well we don't know yet about jared patterson again maybe you know, as you're listening, if he's decided to stay or go. But um, Lug is helpful, and if they can have that combination, Kevin, of both Lug and Patterson returning next year. That could I be mean, really huge. That could be huge for the offensive line with that growing youth at the tackle position as mm-hmm. well. No, and again, we hold the offensive line on a higher, you know, <laughs> higher uh, ledge and tight ends for Notre Dame. Um, but – yeah, I think it, he could be a great leader, which would be really good. And it, he improved as the whole unit did as the year went on. 
All right, George Takis, uh, speaking of tight ends, will return as that blocking tight end. He's announced Houston Griffith back as a safety. They'll have a big question mark back there in that unit. Wide receiver Braden Lindsay has announced he is returning. Meanwhile, uh, Kevin Austin has decided he is going to the NFL. I don't know if I agree with the decision, but I understand it in the sense of here's a guy who you know, had some suspensions early on. Then he got hurt multiple times. Like you could see he's probably at the point of like, I got it. I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Like let's try something different. Yeah. Let's Plus try he's some- coming off a really good game. His yeah. Last game. And he, he's had a good season. I just don't know. I, I just wonder how much if he came back, I feel like he could have really had an opportunity next year to really upgrade his status and be, you know, like a first or second round pick, depending. And I just have no idea where he will be drafted. He now. is very athletic, athletically mm-hmm. gifted. There's no denying that. It's just, again, the question of can he stay healthy? Is he ready to face those NFL cornerbacks that are very fast and physical as well? Um, that's just the biggest question mark. But I have no doubt that if if he's under the if he goes to the right team. He should be perfectly fine in the NFL. All right, uh, and as we know, Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams already announced they're going to the NFL. Those will be two massive losses. Uh, linebacker Paul Moala from Penn High School uh, is transferring as well. He does have his degree. He's been injured. He has the COVID rule, so he have two years of eligibility. So it'll be a good opportunity for him to go somewhere else, and we'll look forward to seeing what he does. Jay Bramlin, also the punter leaving. Shane Simon leaving. A couple other guys will be leaving, and then there'll be a lot more as well because of the way the transfer portal is. Uh, the big one is Isaiah Foskey. Um, it sounds like he's going to make his decision sometime on Saturday. Of course, again, maybe some of you listening right now are like, what are you talking about? He said that on Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday. This one's huge, in my opinion. If they can get Isaiah Foskey back, I think, man, can that defensive line be big. And I think it will be great for him because I think he might be a third-round pick right now or fourth-round pick. He has the potential to be a first-round pick. If you look at his progress that he made from – you know, last year to this year, to this and then year, this yeah. year to next year, I think he's just a fantastic player, Kevin. Well, he had such a great year statistically, and just, again, he was the spark on defense. He could make things really, really happen and seemed to work really well in Marcus Freeman's defense. But, yeah, the improvement, if he <laughs> improves again, comes back and improves again, he could be a huge impact player. Yeah, he finished with 11 sacks on the season, 12 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, just really good. I think it would be huge for Notre Dame, Ilya, if they can get him back. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And uh, the way that Notre Dame has been recruiting, they already have a ton of defensive line depth coming in uh, from recruiting for the next couple of years. And so he would be a huge veteran presence and obviously someone – that offensive lines have to worry about, which can open up so much more for the other defensive linemen as well. All right, and again, as we discuss who's staying and who's going, uh, one more reminder, we're recording earlier in the week, so some things may have changed by the time you are listening to this one as well. Let's. How about the coaches? Uh, certainly, we know Brian Kelly has departed, and Marcus Freeman's the new head coach. Uh, Notre Dame has to figure out what's going to happen at defensive coordinator, but they'll have different guys in place at wide receivers coach, O-line coach, and special teams coach. All signs point to Harry Heastan returning as the offensive line coach. I think this is awesome because you look at Zach Martin, you look at Nick Martin, you look at Ronnie Stanley, you look at Quentin Nelson, you look at Mike McGlinchey. Those were Harry Heastan developed guys, and I think Harry Heastan – 
speaks for himself, his credentials, and I think he can be the type that gets the Joe Alts and Blake Fishers and Rocco Spindlers to be those first-round picks all over again. Um, I am very much looking forward to Harry Easton returning as O-line coach Kevin. He's a great coach, so if it, if it works, <laughs> I think that that would be a really solid foundation. Um, and again, he helped build that kind of mystique and the, the level that – level of uh excellence yeah excellence well, thank I th- you i think i think the other thing that helps is he is older and usually you'd say that's a negative but this is a really young staff it is young so yeah. so at it least some balance you get, get get an older guy in there that that can help Ilya, what's your thoughts on he stand i just question his you say that he's older his kind of passion to recruit his motivation to recruit that's kind of just the biggest question for me I can't question his development you look at the guys in the NFL that have come out of Notre Dame first team NFL guys offensive line I remember a couple years ago like three out of the five offensive linemen first team came from Notre Dame I can't question the guy Mm. uh, but I Uh, guess my biggest concern is his motivation to recruit but my my thing on that is if Harry he stands there Tommy Reese and McNulty, whoever on the yeah, offense, even Freeman, Freeman said he's going to have a much bigger role than. I think than those Brian guys did. can get it done with He Stand, which is why I think He Stand feels a lot more comfortable right. coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they could take the weight off. I know Freeman said everyone's got to recruit. I think you make an exception for He Stand. Like, yeah, you got to recruit, but you you got to sell them at the end. We'll bring them to you, and mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to do as much. I think that would be the thing. Brian Mason from Cincinnati will be the special teams coach. Uh, he's only 35 years old, but he's got a long background with with um, with Marcus Freeman. So and that'll be good for Marcus to Freeman have to have just a you know a guy, guy that has been with him. Yeah, he has guy. and he has Mickens yeah. already in that regard, who's staying on board. But yeah, having another Marcus Freeman guy is good. Um, it'll be interesting to see. We won't talk too much about the defensive coordinator position because we don't know if that'll be uh, decided by the time the show airs. But that'll be interesting to see what happens um, in that regard. And one other note, James Laurinaitis will uh, be joining the staff at, it, probably in an analyst position of some kind. Uh, former Ohio State uh, great, uh, Marcus Freeman, one of Marcus Freeman's closest friends. And he's looking to get into the coaching uh, business, has been uh, hosting a radio show. So he broke the news himself that uh, he was going to join uh, Marcus Freeman's staff at, at Notre Dame. So, And, of course, uh, the big, one of the biggest guys returning certainly is Matt Bayless on the, uh, in the strength coach, so that'll be huge as well. Well, and I think the guys that did choose to stay are difference makers. I mean, Tommy Reese, Mike Elston, Matt Bale, Bayless, the strength coach, those are the glue. And then you had a, a Harry He stand in there like, wow, that's, that's really good. So yeah. even though Marcus is young – He's also, again, really with it, articulate, like passionate. Like it could be a really great thing. And if his his uh, forte or his specialty uh, seems to be recruiting, then man, that's even better. And it's good that they all stayed together. Yeah, and I'll throw in Lance Taylor in that mix yeah, in terms true. of like really good coaches. What he's done at the running back position um, ha- has been huge for. For Notre Dame, a good so recruiter far. as well. Yeah, a very good recruiter. So another guy that can go in and get those offensive line recruits, right, and uh, make that happen in, in that regard. Okay, let's look at the uh, 2022 Notre Dame football season. This season's interesting. There is definitely 
a couple of huge marquee games that are going to be much harder than anything that was on their name schedule this year outside of the Cincinnati game, of course. So they'll open up at Ohio State on September 3rd. Boy, that is not going to be fan-friendly. And then they play Marshall on September 10th at home. They face Cal on September 17th at North Carolina on September 24th. Then comes the bye. They'll face BYU in Las Vegas on October 8th, Stanford on October 15th, UNLV on October 22nd, at Syracuse on October 29th. Then they host Clemson on November 5th. Another face, big one. Face Navy in Baltimore. Host Boston College on Senior Day on November 19th. And at USC on November 26th. The way I look at it is certainly Ohio State and Clemson are two massive games on the schedule. Maybe USC by then. And I was just going to say, end of the season – You know, they got a new coach. They could have things together by the end of the season. So what are your thoughts on the schedule and what that means for Notre Dame's chances in year one of Marcus Freeman? I think, you know, him facing his alma mater in the opening game uh, of the season on the road is a great storyline, but not exactly the easiest position to be in. And I think you'd rather that be like that be the USC game, right? You know, and flip flop. If you could flip flop Ohio State and USC on the yeah. schedule, I think you'd be, feel pretty good about things. But I, I'm a little concerned about the way the schedule kind of develops, Kevin. Well, and I think, yeah, the, the <laughs> three really tough games, right? One in the beginning to kick off, then one in the middle and one at the end. I think uh, we'll have to see everything plays out. But I think, yeah, the people may not be happy with the three loss <laughs> season, but it may be – Something that they have to work through, or maybe they can work their magic and well, come away with one or two victories out of those three. Well, also kind of the one kind of tracking back a little bit. The one thing we didn't talk about, I know, because we're recording on a Tuesday and this going to come out on Saturday, but is the transfer portal. You True. know, the transfer Big portal is wide receiver and secondary is obviously going to be the two biggest things. And Marcus Freeman even touched on that as like transfer portal. Like if we have to, I will go look at there. Um, one of the the big thing on the transfer portal is, for the most part, Notre Dame's still going to be in the grad transfer portal. Well, they, I have heard Marcus Freeman is trying to push uh, the athletic. Yeah, um, I don't. It's not going to happen. It's tough. That's a tough one. It, Undergraduate transfers. It, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Because, well, we talked about it before on air. You still have to academically get in from high school. Yeah. That's the that's it, the rub. That's the tough part. It's still so tough. They, like, yeah, can you get a guy that's currently at Stanford or Northwestern? Yeah, there, yes. there is actually one guy from Northwestern. Yep. He's a safety. His name is Brandon Joseph. Is an All-American. Watch out for him. Kyle Hamilton, you would be a great replacement for Kyle Hamilton, kind of like the patch, so to speak. So watch out for him. Uh, I heard that Notre Dame has a strong chance of landing him. There's a lot of rumblings about him wanting to come to Notre Dame because it's a very similar you know, place to Northwestern. So. Yeah, so exactly. Those are maybe the scenarios where yeah. it comes to place. All right. Your early, early prediction. What, what do you, what do you think ends up happening next year? What's your, give me your record of the regular season, Kevin, for for Notre Dame next season. I think Notre Dame will win them all, but three games. And you, it may you, not be, it may not be, the, and that's still good. Where I mean, we're used to now. What, yeah. Ten, so you ten, actually think ten, nine and three? Wow. Yeah, we're we're getting used to ten win seasons, which is a little eleven wild. win seasons, 11 twelve win, win seasons. Yeah, <laughs> you know, getting used to. All right, that's interesting. And and you were about to say, I think. It may not be the ones you think. Yeah, yeah. I they mean, may- the ones that stand out would be, obviously, the first game is going to be really tough, um, and we'll know a whole lot more after that. But, yeah, I just think the way the, the season's going to – it's going to be a new – a whole new deal, right? Because we got a new coach. 
they have the the glue intact with the coaching staff, but there's there's so many people that come and go. I mean, we'll know like right away first game. I I'd be shocked if Notre Dame went under ten and two. I I do think that we could beat Clemson, BYU, or USC. Ohio State's obviously going to be the toughest one. Yeah. And even if Notre Dame does lose that game, if they win out the rest, they'd still have a very strong chance at a playoff spot. And I'd say yeah. that's true, too. And I'd say, I think to Kevin's point, I could see them winning a Clemson, but losing a game you weren't supposed to out of yeah. nowhere, right? Yeah. Uh, losing to Maybe I shouldn't say you shouldn't lose to BYU. They're not a bad program. Mm-hmm. Um, but losing to BYU and then coming back and being Clemson, those are definitely Notre Dame hasn't lost to an ACC team in the regular season since 2017, I believe. Or yeah. It's been a long time. So. Uh, and that is probably eventually going to uh, correct itself uh, again at some point. It could be Clemson ready to go. Real quick, Georgia-Alabama, what do you got? Oh, I think Alabama. Bama. I got Georgia, baby. <laughs> I'll go with Georgia. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's what I'm going to do. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Today, our season finale of f- year four of our show. I don't believe it's gone by so fast. We want to thank all our sponsors, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our title sponsor. Big thank you as well to Tyrac, the St. Vincent DePaul Society of South Bend, Fort Wayne Dermatology, Tom's Car Care Center, the Nicholas Center for Ethics and Culture at Notre Dame, Indiana Physical Therapy, Katanzaray Financial Services and Elkhart Betting. Big thank you to my partners, Ilya Glassman, running the audio board, as well as our third voice throughout the season. And of course, my co host for all four seasons of the program, Kevin Downey, who somehow finds the time between nine kids and a busy job in the RV industry. And of course, thank you to all of you listening and for your support of this program and Redeemer Radio as a whole. For Ilya and Kevin, I'm Angel DiCarlo, wishing you the very best in 2022. We will chat with you again come September, leading you into Notre Dame and Ohio State in the season opener. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Elkhart Bedding believes a good mattress is the key to a good night's sleep, and as a factory outlet, they can save you money too. Elkhart Bedding has been family-run and locally owned for more than 100 years, and they believe in giving back to our community. That's why Elkhart Bedding supports Catholic entities like Redeemer Radio and the Apostolate of Divine Mercy in South Bend, and hopes you will too. Elkhart Bedding is located at 2124 Sterling Avenue in Elkhart or at elkhartbedding.com.